0: 1. <clears throat> I thought I'd do something I've never done before on a Wednesday night, preach through the book of Psalms. <laughs> so you're going to want to turn there real quick like, I'm just kidding. Some people don't know me like, oh, this is the wrong service for me. <laughs> I'm shedding this coat. It's about 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> up here. Is it? Is it uh, seem hot to anybody else? Yeah. Okay, so it's not just me. Whew. Anyway, it's good to be here. we We were going to come up last week, but obviously with the 50 below weather, we weren't coming. We've already done that. We've been baptized by cold before, so we weren't going to do that. And I don't think my rigs to start that cold anyway. So we were going to leave Sunday and come. We got hammered with a foot of snow Saturday night. So we ended up plowing until 8 o'clock Sunday night. And then got out Monday morning to come make the drive here. And, of course, now it's warmed up a little bit, so this is kind of enjoyable. But we got to see our great-grandson. He's six months old this week, so... We were, it was a blessing to go out to dinner with them and visit with them, see all well, the other grandsons, because there's, there's more grandkids, but now there's are great, so they kind of had their time. <laughs> they should have gotten in when they could have, but anyway, it's been a blessing just to visit our kids a little bit and visit with some of the folks here. Good to see Brother Jeremiah. I talked to him last week on the phone, and he said he was headed this way, so good to see you here, brother, You know, and um, every, all the smiling faces are always here. It's nice to see the faithful. You know, when you come and you see the people that are here all the time. I had a person comment at our place a while back like, you know, it doesn't seem like if we come on Sundays or Wednesdays, everybody's here. And I said, amazing, isn't it? They, uh, they love the Lord on Wednesdays too. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> Psalm number one, verse one, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we're just grateful to be here. We're so very thankful for the plan of salvation that you've given to us, Lord, through Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. And Lord, our hearts always go out to those around us that have never been saved, they've never repented of their sins, they've never trusted in the great payment that you came and made for them, that they might be redeemed unto you. And Lord, we know that even this scripture teaches that there's a perishing that comes in the end for those that deny Jesus Christ. And so many people today walk thinking that, well, I'll do this tomorrow, I'll do that tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. Lord, their their souls are requited. They're required at midnight tonight. Lord, they don't know when the day is that they're going to have to stand before you. They need to get these things right right now while the time is at hand. And Lord, we just pray that the loss would come to their senses before it's too late. We pray for those, Lord, that are healing this week, a lot of sickness. Pray for Brother Girth, Lord, help this medication get his Heart back in rhythm, or at least get him to a point where they can get him back in a good rhythm, get him feeling good, and just get him healed up. We, we pray for all the just the surgeries that took place this week that you work in those lives to get them healed up. Father, We love you. Pray, bless this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever heard the question? You know, what's the key to happiness? People are asking all the time, "What's the key to happiness?" You know, we live in a day and age where boredom, depression, other forms of unhappiness, they're just rampant all around us. You know, we, we sell more antidepressants now than in the history of mankind. And you can say, well, there's more people now than there was in the history of mankind. But, you know, mankind's always been mankind. Mankind's always had problems since the day Adam sinned in the garden. It's been a mess since then. But look around and see how depressed people are, how unhappy people are, and people are chasing after happiness. But what is happiness? You know, is there some basic principle that determines success in finding happiness? Well, the book of Psalms right here in the very first verse, very first Psalm, shares with us a key principle that can ensure true happiness in our, in our lives and, you know, keep us from boredom keep us from depression, keep us from living in that that constant blur that people live in uh, all the time. Notice the very first word here is blessed. That psalm starts out, blessed. Now, in the Hebrew, this word denotes the idea of happiness. You know, but once again, what is happiness? Well, the actual force of the Hebrew here, you could say, oh, how very happy is the man <clears throat> that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, look around. How much counsel of the ungodly is around you? You're surrounded by it all day long, aren't you? You turn the radio on, you hear the ungodly. You turn the TV on, you hear the ungodly. You open your cell phone, you see the ungodly. We just live in an ungodly world, don't we? It's lost, it's dying. They have nothing there for the people of God. They really don't. So this psalm describes here what it takes to be a truly happy man. I just want to take a minute, a little brief time this evening to look at this and look at the principles for a person to truly be blessed slash happy the way God meant for us to be blessed and be happy. What is that exactly? You know, Brother Gerth and I were talking about this today. You know what? what you find is a lot of people can't be happy unless they reach certain financial goals. Bottom line. A lot of people are not happy, even in churches, God's churches, until they reach a certain financial goal. They think, when I get this and this, I'll be happy. But listen, if that's what you're looking for, happiness, you're in for some real disappointment. I've had a lot of money in my life. A lot of money come, a lot of money gone. And most of the time, it brought sadness. It brought the opposite of happiness. It brought uh, pain in the buttedness is what it brought. Brokenness. Things blowing up on you. All this stuff you thought was worth something was worth nothing in the end. And so at some point you have to step back and say, what is it that's really going to take to make me happy? What's it going to be? Because let me tell you this. If God and the word of God and being saved can't make you happy, then there's something missing in your life. There's something major missing in your life. So the first section here describes the blessedness of the righteous man. We're told the character, blessed is a man, that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So he's described first from a negative point of view, in the first first verse there. There's a, a value in negative commands, or negative statements, and uh, you know, a lot of that destroys happiness listen destruction is the fruit of unhappiness. It is it just leads downhill and we see that in the world today if you turn your TVs on if you got pay cable TV I don't but you turn your TV on we used to have direct TV and it's like all night long it's antidepressant commercials and may cause this this will help you take this one it'll help it'll help bolster the other antidepressant, you know, antidepressant, but it may cause, and the list goes on, may increase thoughts of suicide. Well, I thought that's why I took the pill to begin with, to decrease my thoughts of suicide. So it may increase the thoughts, of, and it goes down this list, all the way down. It might kill your dog. It might do this. Your leg might drop off, and death. And you go, and you call that an antidepressant? You're, I'm going to take that, and now I'm going to be happy? How is that going to make me happy when I'm walking around slobbering all day, don't know who I am, don't know who my wife is, don't really know what reality I live in, all because I will not deal with the sin in my life. Really what it comes back to is the sin that does not get dealt with in your life. You want to blame everybody else for it, blame the world for it, blame your parents for it, blame your mom and daddy for it. It's their fault, not my fault. Give me a pill to fix this thing. Well, this will not apply to you. You'll miss this. You'll never find the blessing of God living in that altered state of mind. It won't happen. It, it just, you know, you're like, well, you just kind of destroyed my life here, brother. But I don't know what to tell you. We ought to appreciate the value of negative commands because they keep us from going astray, they protect us from harm and misery. It's all our lives, our parents are going, don't do that. Don't do this. Do this. Do that. Don't do that. Or is that just my parents? Your parents didn't do that. Well, hey, hallelujah for you. But my parents put up roadblocks all over the place. And when I, when I got close to the boundary, I got whooped. Throttled is more the term. Whooped is what I did with my kids. Throttled's what I got from my dad. I went, man, don't go near that anymore. There's a boundary over there. Don't even look at the thing. The old man's Crazy. Well, even the state, listen, we're, we're so stupid, the state's got to put signs up at the edge of a cliff that says, don't drive over the cliff. Because in California, they'll drive right over the cliff, there's no sign, and then sue the state of California after they're dead. There's roadblocks, God puts up roadblocks, doesn't he? God says, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, and we go, well, I don't know, maybe we should. Maybe God doesn't know everything he's talking about. Well, that's so why I think what it alludes to here about meditating on the law of God. Why is that? Because it means something. There's something positive that comes from studying your Bible every day. You, you pick it up and you look and you go, mm, that's interesting. Because yesterday I was having a problem with that. And this morning, out of nowhere, what a coincidence. It just pops up right there in the scriptures. <laughs> Man. so I can't go be mean to people today. What a bummer this is. Right? That nasty temper's got to go, brother. says right there, thou shalt not punch thy neighbor in the face, even if he's stupid. <laughs> well, that's why I think it says that, brother. Or love thy neighbor, something like that. I don't know. You know, they get confusing for me sometimes because of all the antidepressants. <sighs> well, God says, do this, don't do that. Therefore, it said that the truly happy man doesn't walk he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. But what are people doing all day long? Seeking counsel from lost people all around them, aren't they? <clears throat> Shameful is what it is when you got the Word of God right in front of you. He doesn't take their counsels how to live. They're ungodly. They're lost. What's a lost man going to teach you to do after you've been saved that the Word of God can't teach you to do? I don't know what that's going to be, folks. He doesn't follow the advice of those people that are living wicked. What's it say over in Proverbs chapter 4? Look over in Proverbs chapter 4. And you know there's many, many verses that deal with this particular subject. We just don't have time for all of them tonight. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10. Look what he says here. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it, and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief. And their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. And they continue. The point is they'll continue doing what they do because that's what they do. And the wisdom here is don't do that. Don't walk in the way of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the evil. Don't walk in the way of the ungodly. And certainly don't take their advice. All around us, we have liberal advice all the time telling us how not to harm ourselves. I got a new toothbrush, electric toothbrush. And I start using it, and this red light starts flashing. I'm like, what is that? It's fully charged. Is the battery dying? I figure out, you know what? If I push this a little too hard, red light goes off, tells me not to push too hard. I'm like, well, tell me not to push too hard. I'll brush my teeth harder than I want to brush my teeth. I don't need some stupid toothbrush telling me how hard to brush my teeth. All day long, you got these people trying to tell you what to do, and they're ungodly people. It's all the time. It's on the news. It's our government. It's the people in government. It's around you. It's the city politics. The ungodly. You know what people do? They sit around and listen to this and take that advice. When it's clearly against the word of God. Oh, this will be good. Look at this war of vaccinations we've been going through lately. Right? Here we go again. COVID's all popping up again. Here it comes again. The masking comes again. And they're they're giving me advice when the the head guy up there doesn't know what he's doing. But the wicked are trying to make me eat their advice. Well, I'm not taking the counsel of the ungodly. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to trust God. When God tells me not to be fearful all the time, God says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Listen, that's the law of God. I can take that to the bank. The rest of that stuff is just gibberish from the side of the world that wants you to throw your Bible in the trash and forget God ever existed. That's what they want. They do not want you walking in the way of the godly. They want you to walk in the way of the ungodly. That goes against what he says to do here. He says, nor stand in the path of sinners. You know, you don't linger where sinners are known to go linger. And we're not talking about going out and visiting and reaching people for the Lord and knocking doors, not that kind of stuff. Or, but, but the temptation that goes with hanging out with those people all the time, where those become your primary friends, a bunch of lost people. We look at your life and you evaluate, you go, how much time do I spend with saved people, God's people, versus how much time do I stand around absorbing all this stuff from the lost world around me? Because let me tell you, it, it infects you and infiltrates you. It does. It, it, it wears on you. It works on you. When you're around ungodly, you start picking up those ungodly habits. I've seen plenty of men that speak one way, and then after they've been with this group of guys for a, for a week or two, they speak a different way. You know why? Because they're standing around where they shouldn't be standing. They ought to get the step is what they ought to do. Don't linger there, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Look over in the 26th Psalm. Look what it says here in Psalm 26, verse 1. Psalm 26, and verse 1, the Bible says, Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. you know what he said? Here's what he said. He said, I've already made a determination of what I will do and what I will not do. And listen, when you go out your door without convictions about this or that, you're in big trouble when it comes to the devil. Because he'll go, oh, so you don't really have a conviction about that. I'll just herd you over this way a little bit. I'll just herd you a little bit further this way. The psalmist there said, I will not do this. There's some things I'm not going to do. Like what? Like work on Sunday. Well, there's that bomb. Nobody likes that one. Right? Got a conviction. How come? Because God says don't do it. I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, because I'm going to make some determinations in my life. Convictions. Rock solid things I will not change. They just won't change. This is how it is. This is what God says. How do I know that? Because I read the Word of God. If you don't read the Word of God, you don't know those things. That's why we get this next little bit of information. We'll get to it in a minute. But, you know, you don't go join yourself with those people that sit around ridiculing and mocking the very God that saved you. You don't join in with them. Sinners often try to, you know, fortify their conduct and and, uh, defend their actions against these kind of things. They want to debate everything God says is good. They want to debate on why it's not good. We're living in the end times when evil is called good and good's called evil, isn't it? Yeah, we're we're the ones that get mocked for trying to do the right thing and standing up for family values. We're just old-fashioned. We get mocked for that. We get mocked because we want to have big families. And, and we're told that we're irresponsible. We're irresponsible in the world because we want big families. When, when God says, go forth and multiply. That's a command of God. I didn't say that. God did. <clears throat> what does the world tell you to do? Well, man, Brother Ron, you know, you had two kids, right? Thing do. You need to get a vasectomy. This is, this is, uh, you're irresponsible to have more than two kids. Well, I was lost. I bought it. Well, that sounds right. I got a boy and a girl. I, I better quit. Man, don't want to overpopulate the world. They're just falling off the edges of the thing. I have a few more. They'll just slide off the other end. I don't want to do that and be that guy. So I bought into it. And then I got saved. Read my Bible and went, what's going on here? Years ago, Brother Gene preached a message about filling the world and literally talked about how you could put all the people in the world like inside Jacksonville, Mississippi or something. Well, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> what was it? Yeah, in Jacksonville, Florida. We we, we stayed away from the West Coast anyway. But it was like Jacksonville, Florida, and you still have all this room around you to stand. We've been fed a lie that the world's overpopulated. And people buy it. Listen, even in God's house, people are buying that nonsense. I had a lady at at Revival said something to me about, well, you know, the world is overpopulated. And I'm like... Are you Baptists like this kind? Or where'd you come from? Read the Bible. God said multiply. Let him worry about where to put them. Right? That's God's command. It wasn't my command. I don't make this stuff up. I just read it. Sometimes it's not, you don't like it. I don't like it. But God said it. That that settles it, doesn't it? Don't, don't turn to the wicked. They're going to tell you the opposite every time. Every time. <clears throat> What's interesting here too is that you see this this progression that took place. I know most of you know this. You've seen it. But you know, this verse shows very clearly that first you go with the crowd, right? You're walking with the crowd. Then you're standing with the crowd. And then you're sitting in the crowd. There's There's a real clear progression of what happens here. You know, I've 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 used the analogy many, many, many times that men don't wake up one day and say, "Man, you know, my life is so good. I've got a good home and wife and kids and job and my retirement, and I got a nice car. I think I'll become a crackhead today. Where can I get it? It doesn't work that way. It's progressive. It starts somewhere at a party with something." And then it's something else or some sort of drug and it jumps off to that drug and into this drug and that doesn't work anymore so then it's more of this or alcohol or pick your poison. Most people don't wake up and become a drunk because they want to. It begins this progression a slide away from being the blessed man, right? This is how, if you don't want to be blessed, follow this progression. You know, when you look over here, To Genesis, we see a guy in the same shoes, don't we? Lot, in Genesis chapter 13, we won't dwell there very long. But in verse 10, it says, And Lot lifted up his eyes, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. started with the eye socket, didn't it? It started looking, going, man, that's some good looking stuff right there. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord... Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east. He started walking, he left where he was, and he started walking in the way of the ungodly. And they separated themselves the one from the other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. There he went, headed into Sodom. When you get over to Genesis 19, you see the full transition of that. And we don't have time to preach the whole, the whole thing of you know, Lot tonight. But Genesis 19:1, and there came two angels to Sodom and even, And Lot, where's the progression? He sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Listen, this is a pitiful story in the Bible. It's a pitiful story. A man has everything he could have, he's having trouble. Listen, they've got troubles because they got so much stuff. And Abraham says, We can't keep doing this, Lot. By custom, Lot should have said, You are right, Uncle Abraham. Take your pick, I'll take what's left. I will humble myself and you take it, because you're the elder, that's what's right to do. What happened here was the opposite. Abraham said, Hey, you do it. I'll take what's left. You know what? I think Abraham knew that God was going to bless him wherever he went. You do what you're going to do. So he lifted up his eyes, and Buddy was it all over. He pitched his tent toward Sodom. And then he walked down into Sodom. And then he milled around Sodom. And then he started setting in the gate of Sodom. And before long he's in the side of a mountain having grandkids by his own daughters. It doesn't get much sorted than that, does it? And so I think this is good advice back here in in our psalm, where it tells us don't follow this progression. Don't walk, don't stand, because you're going to end up sitting where you shouldn't be sitting. Now notice the man's character from a positive perspective in verse 2. His delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. You know, <clears throat> that's the source of his joy and his happiness. He's meditating in the word of God. That's truly his delight. Look over to the 119th Psalm real quick. Turn over to Psalm 119. the 119th Psalm. And just look at a few verses here out of the 119th Psalm. Verse 16. I will delight myself... In thy statutes, I will not forget thy word. Verse 24 Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Not the wicked, not the ungodly, but the word of God is what he is using for his counsel. Look in verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Verse 70. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. Verse 77, let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for thy law is my delight. He goes on and on and on through the Psalms. It talks about how the delight is in the law of the Lord. Now let me ask you, is that how you feel about it? Does it bring delight to read the word of God? To just let the word of God settle in your life, settle down in your heart when you read the word of God? Or do you have that daily schedule that you go through where you tick it off day by day so you get through it through the year? And it's just part of the checklist you do to get through your day because that checklist has got to be checked off. I read my five verses. I did this. I prayed. I did my catechisms. Whatever you do. And, uh, oh, I wasn't supposed to share that. My wife and her catechism. But, (laughs) you know, it becomes mechanical. We're the psalmist here. David's saying, hey, this is my delight. I've learned to love being in the Word of God and getting something from the Word of God that's helping in my life. The blessed man prefers the law of the Lord over the ungodly counsel. You know, I have to shake my head when I hear people say things and I go, man, have have you read the Bible? These are people that are saved people, been in churches for years, and you hear them say some of the dumbest stuff that if they had read their Bible, they never would have said that. They would have known better if they were studying their scriptures. <laughs> they would have went, you know, that meditating. That's something that takes a little bit of time. Right? Meditation takes a little bit of time. You, you know, day and night. When we meditate, literally, the word, literally words, it means to moan, to hum, to utter, to speak, or to muse. It's a picture of a man standing there reading and then rereading and then rereading and thinking on what he just read. You know, there's so many people you talk to, you're having a conversation with them, you talk to them, and uh, you get done, and they say, but what time's church? You say, I just told you, it's a 730. And they're like, oh, really? Like, you were standing there when I told you? Because they're not paying attention to anything you're saying. That's how a lot of people read the Word of God. They just go, blah, 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 blah. you know, where's my English muffin? Time for the day. Get my coffee, make some money. They, they couldn't tell you five minutes later what they just read out of the Word of God. <laughs> Take time to meditate on it. You know, sometimes I have scriptures I set aside and go, I don't know that thing. For, for a lot of times, I used to call Brother Gene and say, What do you think of this? And then I'd I think about what he said. I was like, well, I know he's not right. It's got to be something different. And so i think about it some more. i call him back. Are you sure about that? I don't know. But it doesn't always just come at you. You read it and go, oh, I got it. Thou shalt not kill. I get that one. Right? I read that a lot. <laughs> because I have to drive on the highways. <laughs> thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill. Meditate on that all the time. But what about the other stuff? The stuff that affects you where you live—you don't like to meditate on that, though, do you? You know why? Because if you're saved and the Spirit and the Spirit beareth witness with your spirit, that tends to bother you, doesn't it? You know, Let's not read that one. Let's stay out. Let's stay out of those commandments because those are for another time, another place. You know, we don't want to go there. You know, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. We don't need to study that just yet. Uh, we haven't been married that long. You know, let's uh, let's save that one for down the road. Let's stick with that other one. Wives, submit to your husbands. We'll meditate on that day and night. But how about the whole counsel of God gets meditated on? Thy delight is in the law of the Lord. All of it. From, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, it's all what makes us a happy person. Listen, you want to be blessed, you got to know what the Word of God teaches. Or You're not going to be blessed. And what the writer's telling us is that it's something he does habitually. This is something you learn to do. You just don't one day pick the Bible up and go to Deuteronomy, start reading Deuteronomy, and go, man, I just delight in Deuteronomy. Because that's not been my experience. You get into numbers, you're like, oh, wow, this is great. I can't even pronounce the stuff. But I read it, and I try to figure out why God put it there. It's got to have something for me, right? Because it's there. It's something you have to do to teach yourself to habitually go in there and feed off the Word of God and find a light in that. You know what? I don't have to work hard to be delighted when I'm fishing. Oh, no. Listen, when, when the bell rings, it's like, woo man, I'm on that, right? You, you've got those things that you don't have any trouble delighting in, don't you? I don't know what it is. You guys all have different hobbies and stuff. Brother Seth's rebuilding his house over there and he just delights in all that woodwork and staining and, you know, I look at that and go, I'm glad he's doing it, not me. Because I don't have the patience for that. But you have to, it's, it's something you have to make yourself do. You've got to get into the Word of God. And you know, you take time and you set apart that portion of the day. He says day and night, take time for some meditation. Listen, we're bombarded all day long. The devil is after you. The devil's after your church. The devil's after your children all day long. What does God get? How much of the day does God get? It's getting worse and worse even in God's churches. It's getting worse among his people. It says here in verse 3 when we do this, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, this figure of speech is often used in scripture describing the righteous man, especially in a place like Palestine. If you've ever been to a desert area, you know the importance of having trees around the water hole, right? Those roots are going down in the water, and it doesn't matter what's going on around them. They're, they're still getting a drink every day. Every day those, those, uh, those old roots are down in there and they're just soaking wet under the ground. That looks miserable on top of the ground. But underneath those roots are like, man, I'm glad we've got the water. Ah. Here it is. God says, pick it up. I've given it to you. Listen, the world can be crashing down around you. Get in the word of God. See what God has. You know, we just finished preaching through the book of Revelation. And... Uh, <clears throat> You look at what's coming in the end. You look at what people are facing. If the rapture happens tomorrow, you know, the tribulation period kicks off, all these things take place. It's just horrible. It's just, it, it, it's horrible. They won't have, they'll be filled with strong delusion. People think, well, if I miss the rapture, I'll get my Bible and I'll study it out and I'll get saved. That's really not what the Bible teaches, is it? It teaches more people are going to die and go to hell than are going to be saved during that period. It's going to be a miserable time. But right now, in the day we live in, we're coming... You know, I hate to bring this up, but here it is. It's an election cycle. And it's already driving me nuts. Listen to it all just blah, 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 blah. And you know what? You can get yourself very depressed if you lean on all that nonsense. Or you know what you can do? You can get up in the morning and read your Bible. And you go, yep, I got bills to pay. I got a family to take care of. I got a church to support. And do what God has called you to do right then and there. Or you spend your day worried about what's going on somewhere you can't control anywhere. And people literally losing their minds over these election cycles. Go vote. I vote. I urge you to go vote. Vote. Make sure you know what you're voting on and who you're voting for and why you're doing what you're doing. Okay? I'd ask you to do that. If you're that stupid, don't vote. Okay? Just just bless us all. Don't do it. Don't be the guy that calls me from the line. The last minute after I've told you for 10 weeks what's going on, I don't know who to vote for. That's another sermon. (laughs) You know, we got the word of God. We can be grounded in this and not politics. Listen, politics come, politicians come, politicians go. You know what the word of God says? That the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he turneth it whithersoever he will. listen. If you know that, because the Bible teaches that, then you know whatever's going on in our politics is not catching God off guard. You know, these things aren't catching... Another depression in America didn't catch God off guard. He knows it's coming. He knows what's happening. And when we're grounded in the Word of God, we're not scattered like everybody else is. Freaked out and undone. I hear people all the time, what happens if I lose my retirement? (laughs) Well, good on you, mate, that you got a retirement. A lot of people don't have a retirement. You know, I listen to people talk about their investments all the time. I've got a little a tiny bit of investments. If all of Doug's money goes down the toilet, so's mine. I'll come see Doug. We're both broke. We're all going to be broke. But you know what, Doug and I'll have the Lord. What's the other guy got? He's got nothing. But listen, I've got my roots planted down in the water. The word of God still delighting in that knowing, you know what's bad for you guys? But I've got what I've got. God sent his son to die to save me, and no one can take that from me. The government can't take it from it. Nobody can take that from us. Listen, you can't delight in that, In the word of God, I don't want you can delight in. I don't know. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. You know, this depicts a life that yields something worthwhile in the end. I can make a lot of money. I'm a talented guy. I'm a smart guy. I can make a ton of money if I just quit the ministry. <laughs> I can do it. Engineering degree, I make tons of money. I'd just be a TV preacher in Texas. Make a ton of money. But the bottom line is, is what's left in the end is all that other stuff gets burned up. You can't take none of it with you. you go make a ton of money, you know, Probably end up in a divorce or two with a bunch of kids that hate you, a bunch of bills and debt. Got nothing in the end. <clears throat> or you be this guy here that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. You know, when your life is done, you look back and say, look how many souls were led to the Lord because of what? The life you lived. Your children being led to the Lord because you lived before your children. People in the, in the community, people in your life that God has placed. There is way more fruit than that than there ever is chasing your tail out there in the workplace. I'll guarantee that. Whose leaf also shall not wither. You know, a tree with roots near a river isn't likely to be affected in times of drought. You know, adverse con- conditions just don't affect the fruitfulness of those trees. And listen, our strength coming from the Word of God like those roots, we don't wither. We don't dry up like everybody else does. Have you ever seen, listen, I, I this is <clears throat> I had a man knock on my door the other day. I'm busy up to my eyeballs. Trying to to get everything ready to come here. I mean, I've got things to do. Haven't seen this guy. Haven't visited with him probably in 10 years. Seen him passing all the time. Boom. There he is. Knocks on the garage door. I'm at my wit's end. I just... This is what you do. Okay. Can we talk about this? Well, pull up a chair. I've got nothing better to do right now. Because he's like, I see you're busy mechanicin. And you're doing this, you know, I said, you know. His eternity is more important than anything else going on in my shop. More important than anything else going on in my life. Pull a couple chairs out. Hour and a half later, you know, it's all out there. We're done. <clears throat> Off he goes. That is fruit. All that stuff is nothing. It really isn't. You know, you, you, you do different things. But the things you do for God... Yields fruit. That's why the psalmist says, "Blessed is the man that doesn't do those things. Blessed is the man that does these things. Delights in the law of the Lord. Meditates on the law of the Lord." You know, essentially, essentially what he's saying is, we're sitting around an oasis, while the world suffers through a drought because we've got the word of God. They've got nothing. They've got their measly lives. <clears throat> Whatsoever he do- doeth shall prosper. That doesn't mean you'll be rich. He's not saying you're going to be rich, but you're going to prosper. God's adding to your account every day, isn't he? When you're doing what God wants you to do, it's getting added to your account every day. A little bit more, a little bit more. Then secondly, look at the condition of the unrighteous man. For the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind driveth away. I thought this was interesting that they didn't use a tree that withered up. That was like a tree not planted by the water. He didn't, even, he didn't even mess with that. You know, he says, you like the chaff. You take the old weed out there and they pop it up in the air and the chaff just blows away. Or over in Matthew, it talks about how the chaff is just going to be burned up in the end, right? It's all going to be burnt with fire. There, there's, nothing, there's nothing tangible there. The ungodly are not so. It's emphasizing the wicked are not like the righteous in any way. People come to me all the time and say, Brother Ron, these are just some really godly people. You, you just got to meet these people. And I say, where do they go to church? Oh, they don't go to church. Well, where do they where do they? I mean, what are they? Well, you know, they, they've got great faith. In what? You know, you start talking to them just about there's, <clears throat> there's nothing in common. They may be nice, they may be moral, they may be good neighbors. But listen, lost is lost. Righteous is righteous, unrighteous is, uh, is still unrighteous. Right. It doesn't matter how they act if they have not repented and been saved, they are the ungodly. Don't try to sugarcoat that. A drunk is a drunk, not an alcoholic. They're a drunk. A rapist is a rapist. He's not someone who's misunderstood. He is what he is. Don't buffer this. Too often we don't mess with those people because, well, they, they're religious. Listen, if they're not saved, they're unright. They're unrighteous. They're ungodly. Not in a mean way. But make sure you know how to differentiate who you're dealing with. Because here's the end, and it's not good for them. The ungodly are not so. They don't end like we end, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The ungodly, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. They have no standing. What this means, they have no standing. They don't have a leg to stand on in the judgment. When they get before God, they're going right on their knees. The Bible says that every tongue will confess, right, that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're going to bow before God Almighty after they leave this earth. When their soul leaves their body, it's too late. It's done. Any witnessing you were going to do, it's over. It's finished. Make no mistake, you don't get to do-over with that. This time last week... My neighbor's laying on the asphalt in the middle of the road, 20 below zero, and they're doing chest compressions on him. And I looked at him and I went, he's done. Jumped in the car and went and got his wife. Came back and they said, hey, he's breathing on his own. And I literally was shocked. I've seen plenty of dead people in ambulances, plenty of dead people in the ER. Didn't look like he was going to make it for any practice. I would have rolled my money the other way on the deal. But he survived. And we're on the way to Anchorage with his wife, and she said, you know, just yesterday he talked about making a point with you to talk about some things in the Bible, because he's been reading his Bible every day, and he's confused about some things. I said, well, God's given him a second chance. He was as close as he was going to get for the spirit to leave the body. I'm telling you, it, it it was right there. You know, when they're blue around the face and blue everywhere, and they're doing chest compressions on you at 20 below in the asphalt, it's kind of a bad deal. Trooper just happened to be in town with an AED, got it on him. Boom, popped him out of V-tac. The ER doctor in town just happened to be training with the paramedics and the NILCIC that night. Boom, he was in the ambulance. Boom, there's five people there. The kid that saw him hit the ground that he had the wreck with had the common sense to roll him over and start CPR on him. Everything worked out. And then you got people going, man, was he lucky. <clears throat> wow, he was lucky. I got in the ambulance full of people, and I say, well, not lucky. God saved his life. God intervened right here for him to have one more opportunity. You get one more opportunity. That's how, he was just driving home from a meeting when the kid clipped him and he got out of the truck to see if the kid was okay. You okay? I'm okay? He starts huffing, puffing. The kid says, you all right? He said, no, I think I'm having a heart attack. Boom! On the ground. That's how fast, folks, life ends. That's how fragile life really is. Somebody looks normal and they're dead. I remember in school, 16-year-old girl, she was out on the golf team. Had to putt deal. She took a stroke out, fell down, and her spirit left her body. She had some malfunction in her heart from the time she was born nobody knew about. Her aorta blew out right there while she's putting on the, on the green. 16 years old, she's dead. It doesn't just happen to old people. It happens, listen, and none of us getting out of here alive. You better think about what this verse says, when it talks about the ungodly being burned up like the chaff. Just being blown away. Because this, <clears throat> this whole thing ends poorly. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment because they can't. They don't have Jesus Christ. Nor sinners in a congregation of the righteous. You know when you study the book of Revelation, you don't have time to that tonight. go to Revelation 21. But it talks very clearly about who's not going to be in heaven. Yeah. The unbelieving and the fearful. They're not there. They don't stand in the judgment. Sinners don't stand in the congregation of the righteous. When this all ends, they won't be there. They're not there. They have a place in hell for those that will not repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, look at the end of this. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. There's no good thing that comes from being lost and staying lost and remaining lost. Nothing. You know, I'm, I'm no great theologian, but the Lord knows the way of the righteous. It, 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 you know, He shows interest in, He cares for, read the rest of your Bible, you can figure it out, I'm not going to tell it all to you. But listen, God goes with me daily. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I know every day God is with me. He's with me on the good days, He's with me on the bad days. He's there by my bed when I'm sick, He's right here by the pulpit when I'm preaching. He's not going to leave me. If God be for me, who can be against me? But if you're lost, God is against you. His hand's against the sinner. His hand, listen, he loves the sinner, hates the sin. And the ending here is really bad. The way of the ungodly, the very last verse, what does it say? Shall perish. That's very affirmative. Shall perish. This, this whole psalm starts with blessed and ends with perish. Your eyes ought to be open to what's going on in this psalm. There are those that are right with God that will be blessed. They'll find happiness in the ways of God and the law of God, meditating on the law of God, following after the things of God, but those who do not will perish. There's only two groups there, folks those that are righteous, those that are ungodly, those that are holy, those that are unholy. Saved, lost, there's two distinct groups. Which one are you in? Listen, I know for a fact which group I'm in. Not because I'm better than anybody. Because I remember exactly when I repented of my sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as my Savior. I remember exactly the time He saved me. And I went from that group to this group and I never looked back. I would want to go back to the other group. You know, I praise God that nothing can take me out of his hand and put me back in that other group. That alone makes me blessed. I'm blessed above everyone else. Their lives, listen, the life of the lost man, it's a listless, pointless life. You want to know why they're bored? You want to know why they're depressed? Because they're without Jesus Christ tonight. That's Why? They need to repent of their sins and trust in what God did for them. And then afterwards, folks, if you're here tonight and you're saved, get your hide in the Word of God. Open the Word of God and pretend like He wrote it for you, because He did. He meant it for us to have instruction in righteousness, right? That we'll know the way to go. We well, Listen, it's going to get more and more wicked. Day in and day out, it gets more and more wicked. You know, if we truly desire to be the truly blessed slash happy man, standing strong like the well-nourished trees planted by the water, bearing fruit at all times with the Lord at our side, then the key is to delight and meditate in the word of the Lord and quit heeding the counsel of the wicked. Heed the counsel of the Lord. You know how many times as pastor people come to me, they sit in my office, bawl their eyes out, spill their guts out. I tell them, here's what the Word of God says. Well, I guess this was pointless. And out the door they go. And you go, well, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm not going to tell you something God doesn't tell you. It's right here. How many times have people gone to the pastor's office here and the pastor said, here it is. Your, your marriage is a mess. Here's what the Bible says. And you go, yep, well, that's just not for me. And where do they go? They go find a marriage counselor in town. An ungodly counsel. I did that. I did that before I was saved. I went to a marriage counselor. My wife and I have been married seven years. We're separated. we got two kids. I'm in the Army. Active duty. Life's a mess. We decided, you know, we're going to go to marriage counseling. So we went two times. And the marriage counselor said, well, you guys are incompatible. You need to get divorced. And I said, you're an idiot. I told her, get up. We're going to make this work. If we can't make this work, how are we going to make another one work? You know, and off we went. And God brought us to Alaska. I got saved. <clears throat> she got right. <laughs> hey, you marry a lost man, you get what you get. Right? Just talk to her about that. True story. <clears throat> and then we, we started studying the Bible and going, man, we messed up. Wow, look how messed up we've had our lives up to this point. You know, if we'd been doing it this way, we wouldn't be having all the headaches we have in our life. You know? I wouldn't have to use this Bible upside the head of my son, you know. He was pretty dense. Son, the Word of God—it's <laughs> a powerful two-headed sword. You know, my daughter was a little more sensitive to it. We could open it up and go. You can read that for yourself, for all you know. I'm telling you what—I don't think God's people are in God's Word enough. I don't. I know that because the questions people bring to me, and I go, "Why don't you know that?" Listen, if you're not here tonight, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. If you are saved, you need to get the Word of God. That's the only way you're going to get your life right. That's the only way you'll ever be happy. That's the only way you'll ever find that, that blessed hope that, that, that's within us in salvation that God gives to the Spirit of God. You'll just never understand that until you're saved. You'll never know peace. You just won't. Brother Dimlow, <clears throat> I'm going to let him take over, and I'm going to leave because I don't want to be around him. He's been so-